Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the UX world. Today's show is going to be an epic show. It's going to be a unique show and something that we haven't done before. We're going to be talking about voice design and development and also bot design and development. And in particular, we're going to be looking at two things. One thing is how can you take a concept from concept to a working prototype of a voice application. So we're going to be looking at how you would go about planning, delivering uh, a discovery workshop in the uh, in the voice space to create a voice application. And we're also going to be talking about a tool called Bot Talk. So our guest today is a very special guest, Andre Asaulov. He is the founder or co-founder of Bot Talk and the CEO of Smart House Technology. He's going to be taking us through all, the whole thing about the differences between bots and voice applications and the similarities between voice and, and, and uh, chatbots and things like that. He's going to be talking to us about Smart House, about Bot Talk, how it works, how you can build skills on there, and how you can take yourself through a discovery workshop to take yourself from idea to concept to prototype. Ladies and gentlemen, this is VUX World. Now, before I introduce today's guest, I would first like to introduce the VUX World Alexa Flash Briefing. Indeed, we do have a Flash Briefing. Um, It's live now. You can enable it now. You can just ask Alexa to enable the VUX World Flash Briefing, or you can go to vux.world slash flash, and there's a link there. You can enable it there. The original idea for this Flash Briefing was to play clips of the podcast on the flash briefing throughout the week. And then the more I thought about that, the more I realised that actually the people who are going to be listening to the flash briefing is you lot, (laughs) the people who are listening to the podcast. So you're not going to get a great deal of added value necessarily by listening to clips of the podcast that you've already heard on Monday and listening to that throughout the week. So instead, we're going to try something a little bit different and we're going to try something that will be a little bit more exciting, a little bit more exclusive as well. So what we're going to do with the flash briefing, every single week, every Monday on the podcast, we are going to announce a question or a topic or a discussion point to you, the listeners and the industry via Twitter. And we're going to ask you a question or pose a discussion point or something like that. And we're asking you to get involved and tell us your thoughts. Now, you can do that on Twitter if you like, and that's been going quite well. We've had a lot of polls on Twitter uh, and people have been getting involved in those discussions. So you can do that. Or you can go to vux.world slash flash and you can upload your response to that question or your point for that discussion in audio form and we will then play that on the flash briefing throughout the week. So the idea of this really is to get everybody involved in these discussions and to continue the points and the discussions that we're having on the podcast throughout the week and to get you lot involved as well. So... This week's discussion point, the very first um, discussion point on the Flash Briefing, comes from Florian Halland, and he was featuring on the podcast a few weeks back talking about voice games. He's working at Jovo right now. He is a voice app developer and reviewer, excellent reviewer on Medium. Check him out. Today's question comes from Florian Halland, and he says, what makes an average voice experience 
a great voice experience? What turns something average into something excellent in a voice first environment? Let us know any skills, any uh, tips, any practical advice that you have for turning an average voice experience into an excellent voice experience and get involved in the discussion. Thank you, Florian, for your uh, discussion point there. And everybody, do get involved. Head to Twitter or preferably go to vux.world slash flash. Let us know what turns an average experience into a excellent experience in a voice first world and we will play your responses all the way through the week on the vux world flash briefing so that's the flash briefing now without further ado let's get to today's guest andre eselov so andre welcome to vux world yeah thank you thank you for having me fantastic whereabouts are you now then germany is it yeah, in um, Cologne. Cologne, fantastic. Very vibrant space, Germany, isn't it, for the whole sort of voice thing and chatbots area? Yeah, and it's been uh, for a year now uh, because Amazon has, uh, you know, has put the Alexa into the market last year. And yeah, and since, uh, since then, it, Amazon was on the road, sh- um, road shows uh, all over the country. And yeah, it's uh, picking up. Uh, and um, of course, Google is helping as well. So, um, you know, this, uh, this competition that is going on is helping the whole space. So, uh, yeah, so lo- lots of developers, lots of uh, events, I think. Uh, yeah, but I think in the terms of, uh, uh, in the terms of uh, development of this whole thing, we are still kind of a step behind mm-hmm. uh, US markets. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm hoping we, we could get there. Yeah, in this this year probably. Cool. I think the the Americans are just storming ahead, aren't they? I think the whole of Europe's been left behind by America at the minute. Yeah, <laughs> a bit, a bit. <laughs> but not for long, because we have mm-hmm. Smart House Technologies and Bot Talk that is bridging that gap. Do you want to tell us? We'll get into Smart House and Bot Talk in a second. But first, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, and then how you got into founding uh, and becoming the CEO of uh, Smart House Technologies? Yeah, sure. So, um, as you can probably hear from my accent, I'm from Russia, uh, and I've been actually born in Siberia. Um, yeah, so, and then uh, we moved to, with the family to Moscow, and where I started to, um, you know, to go to university, and I studied uh, computer science uh, along the side uh, with um, languages. So uh, just from the beginning, I was kind of, you know, trying to, um, to combine, try to marry this whole uh, two, world, two worlds, you know, this uh, uh, computer science world and languages. And I think it's a perfect combination now, nowadays where I can uh, kind of uh, dig up all this PhD that I did in uh, linguistics and put it to work, um, yeah, uh, right now where, you know, the voice interfaces are... Uh, yeah, dominant in the space. Yeah, so um, I founded a couple of startups. Um, we started to do things in, uh, yeah, as usually in uh, mobile world, uh, in the mobile space. Uh, and um, you know, Smart House started as um, a company that was um, generating uh, growth hacking uh, knowledge and okay. kind of bringing growth hacking into the into the mobile uh, mobile space and we still do that uh, the part of uh, of a company but uh, as i said before the last year was like you know this whole surge of uh, voice interfaces uh, that our clients was asking were asking us about and so uh, we kind of uh, saw the opportunity there 
and uh, just jumped into the uh, into the space as I said before. You know, the uh, PhD in uh, linguistics and uh, literacy didn't, uh, didn't actually hurt, so <laughs> it was a it was a nice combination. Yeah. Cool. That's quite fortunate that like, isn't it? It sounds like because obviously the whole sort of voice design space and, and, you know, you hear quite a lot of things around people saying to make it try and make your kind of voice application sound like a human and try and make the conversation natural. So having a kind of background in linguistics must have just been like right up your alley that it must have been sort of like you must have took to it really quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, sometimes it's also disappointing a bit uh, that the tech is uh, so behind Right. So um, I think a couple of your guests already uh, already kind of um, touched on this uh, on this uh, grounds um, that you know from the uh, scientific point of view, if you look at this uh, at this uh, moment in time that we find ourselves in, we are kind of you know in a in a brink of uh, yeah natural language processing, and it's not you know it's not probably um the way that um, you know we the most of the public is dreaming about right so i think uh, and this is um, also me uh, coming from this um from this uh, linguistics area i was hoping that the uh, the tech is so far behind and then when you actually uh, get your uh, kind of uh, geeky part of you and like you know computer science part of you like um, actually get behind all this uh, all this tech then you say oh god it is <laughs> it is actually this is actually only intense and you know a bit of logic yeah but yeah. Uh, no ai whatsoever yeah um and despite of the marketing behind it like you know being ai driven yeah so um yeah but i think um in terms of um you know in terms of making it look like a human interface making it look like alexa is uh, talking to you uh, as a human um i think this is um this is the part that we could actually fake it till we make it <laughs> right <laughs> convince people that it's smarter than it might be yeah yeah sure <laughs> definitely definitely so so the 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 technology the the primitive technology side of things then is that and you might have kind of touched on that but maybe if you could clarify are you talking about the the technology in terms of understanding requests is primitive or the ability to formulate responses to those things or is it the whole thing I think it's um, kind of um, the whole thing. So I think the NLP part, like natural language processing, is uh, good enough. Uh, we we wouldn't be able to do the stuff that we are doing without the NLP that we have now, right? Um, so I think it's a um, it's a very cool part. But I think the the part that is coming afterwards, like the part that we are as developers are trying to kind of solve this is like very primitive you know and from the standpoint of tooling and from the standpoint of the whole infrastructure and uh, uh, kind of um, things that we are trying to uh, trying to guess what the user means by intense it's actually not how how the things are working and i see it you know during our workshops and during like you know real user testing so, um, you know, uh, I was hoping uh, that Amazon or Google would come up with the idea that you actually providing the intent in the real sense of this world, uh, telling, um, telling Google, like, you know, I'm going to write this application that is going to uh, book um, something. 
and then the whole logic is already kind of pre-written. And I'm very, uh, I'm very excited to see what Amazon is doing with their uh, blueprints right now. Yeah, uh, that are going in this direction of like kind of you know um, intense in the sense of what I am trying to accomplish. What is the user is uh, you know actually trying to accomplish uh, uh, going into th uh, this direction instead of just okay what is the user is trying to tell you and let's just go from there. Yeah. So, so going down to the you know what am I trying to actually do as opposed to what have they said and then let's yeah. figure it out from there. Sort of yeah, because because I um, I think of it as a you know user use case driven development. You have to, you have to get your use case. Um, so uh, um, so good that you actually understand. Okay, this is the USP that you are delivering to your to your user, because I have this uh, the whole uh, background in uh, mobile apps, and if you don't have use case behind your mobile app, you you might just you know don't even bother, <laughs> because 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 there are so much uh, so many apps out there, and you know you don't have any chance if you have don't have any USP, and that uh, that is what. It, What is kind of lacking in this whole voice um, um, area is if I look at the German market of skills, that's just sad because, you know, because you see this kind of apps that are there, skills that are there. Well, they, people wrote them because they could. Yeah. Not because they should. And this is the kind of thing that I think I'm hoping that Amazon and Google will kind of push, uh, push forward like this, you know, and get down to what, what is the use, user experience behind it? What is the use actually behind yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It sounds as though, so for example, if you were to try and get an app published on the, the Apple App Store, for example, you would have to go through a pretty intense certification process, wouldn't you? And in actual fact, these days, broadly speaking, there are a few shit ones out there, but broadly speaking, if you download an app from somewhere, it's probably going to be all right. It's going to be decent enough, isn't it? You're not really going to, you know, you might be disappointed with, I don't know, the content or some of the functionality, but broadly speaking, apps are fairly consistent. Whereas It seems as you mentioned the quality of, of skills that maybe might be people just maybe trying it out, cutting the teeth sort of thing, you know, playing around rather than focus on a specific use case. Do you think the certification process then is a bit lax in that respect in terms of just letting all kinds of kind of experimental stuff through as opposed to really having, making sure that these things have been kind of nailed to a use case or, or really high quality before letting them kind of through? Probably, but I don't think this is like dominant um, dominant reason for this. I think the follow the money uh, thing is the reason. So um, there are good apps out there because people know how much money it costs to develop the app, and they make all this uh, thinking process beforehand, so they c they could make a you know actual business case behind the app, and that's why the the apps are so good. Because, uh, because, and this is the problem that we are facing, and everyone is talking about like the business model behind the voice apps. But I think uh, when we uh, when we had the business behind behind skills, you know, this would you know the market would kind of figure out it for itself. The yeah. bad uh, the bad skills will just die off, and the good ones uh, where you know where the the actual power behind it, and when I say power is you know money. Um, you know, the market will actually figure out uh, stuff like this uh, for itself. So I think, uh, yeah, we should wait <laughs> for the monetization to come. Or, uh, you know, again, as one of your previous guests said, you know, make uh, like come up with the monetization ourselves. It's yeah. not that it's not that, you know, we lack 
like, you know, the skills or will lack some SDKs. You know, it's not yeah. about SDKs. It's what, I, what I've been trying to say, uh, say uh, all the time is it's about use case. Make the skill that will make money, that will be so useful that the people are ready to pay, you know, a transaction or to make a transaction, pay you money in whatever form possible. Uh, but, you know, make, m- make a good product. <laughs> you know, yeah. as, as, this is easy as that. <laughs> cool there was a thing that that came out i think it was either this week i think it was where alexa has now got itself onto um some tvs and the article was saying essentially that the, the smart tvs that are now alexa enabled are going to be kind of like really high end and they might price a lot of people out but over time you'll have alexa on your tv and then it will kind of enable things like you know being able to change channels and find catch-up content and stuff like that but one of the things i was thinking is that what it might actually enable is for you to be able to speaking about the monetization side of things it might enable you to be able to do things like buy the product that's in the ad through your telly while the ad's on or something like that now that wouldn't necessarily help the third party skill development but you can kind of see how amazon might be playing around with the concept of heading towards making it you know a a kind of a monetized platform it's a question i suppose of how that then transfers into the the third party kind of skill area yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think I think before we uh, jump, uh, before we kind of go to the skill first um, businesses, we never we're, not, we're never gonna get the quality of the skills uh, on the level of apps, because I think we what we need is like Instagram for skills. Instagram was an app that was only available on one platform and was available as an app. It wasn't a website. It wasn't anything. It was an iOS app. That's it. And that's what we're actually uh, needing in this space. And I don't see, like, you know, I don't see from, from the technical perspective, I don't see any problem with that. You could do account linking. You could do the business behind it. You, you, you can't do transactions on the Amazon end, right? But you can still do transactions on your end, right? So, um, so that's not the technical problem. That's just a problem of... Uh, um, you know of the value behind behind your skill. You, know, you have to kind of find find the value, and yeah. Cool. So, tell us a little bit about Bot Talk. Then I've been mm-hmm. on there just now, and then you know had a little bit of a play around. It looks like it's a really decent tool. Tell tell the listeners a little bit about Bot Talk, where it came from, and what it does. Mm-hmm. So Bot Talk, uh, as a name, uh, actually kind of uh, suggests comes from the whole idea of uh, writing bots, uh, Insta- uh, like uh, Facebook bot and Telegram bot. And um, the idea is uh, pretty simple. Um, we wanted to create a language that would uh, allow you to write a logic of your whole um, bot or voice application in a form that front-end uh, developer would write in HTML, right? So, um, because the state of the uh, state of the art right now is that you have to be, you know, kind of a hardcore developer to to kind of uh, create your first first bot or skill or whatever, um, and it's pretty easy to kind of start off and create like you know trivia skill with uh, tools like Storyline, yeah, and the Storyline is great, They're great guys, you know, visual way to kind of create, but then you get into the space of logic and into third-party APIs, in, into the parameters in these APIs. And you kind of hit the wall uh, because, um, uh, because there is no way to, like, to remember state 
uh, in between calls of the of the um, of the skill and stuff like that. And we wanted to, and it's kind of you know uh, from the developer perspective, you have to be like not JS developer, well, you know, really hardcore backend developer to understand all these API calls that you have to parse from the Alexa. And if you want to kind of have another platform, then you have to parse another API uh, and whatever. And we thought, well, let's just create something that will be not this um, um, user-friendly as storyline. You know, it's not a drag-and-drop tool, but it's still a language. This is the language where you can, in simple markup language, can describe the logic of your of your bot or of your voice app. And that's what, yeah, that's what we actually end up doing. And you, the language that you chose is, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this, YAML. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. YAML is an old configurational standard that was used by stuff like Ruby on Rails and Symfony and all these big uh, frameworks. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, um, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty easy to understand for humans. It was written to be understandable for, for, for humans as, the, you know, as a kind of uh, answer to a whole XML problem. Like, you know, YAML is very easy to read. And, yeah, that's why we kind of chose this, uh, this, uh, this kind of language, yeah. Cool. It does, it does seem fairly kind of, um, you know, fair. I mean, I, I'd never heard of it before, to be honest with you. But, I mean, just looking through, sometimes you'll see JavaScript and, you know, I mean, I'm a bit of an amateur with JavaScript. I can I can get my way through it. I can bug fix. But, I, you know, if you just give me a blank document and said, write me something that does X, Y, Z, I'd probably struggle. But sometimes when you see JavaScript that other people have written, it kind of might take you a while to figure out what's good. Well, for me, anyway, it takes me a while to figure out what's happening. I'm thinking, okay, well, this does that. And whereas with, with this, and I'm just talking about the kind of demo skills that you have in there, it does all follow a fairly simple thing. You know, you've got steps, you've got actions, you've got context, you've got... Um, you know what is it, what's in there um get url set context send text it's it kind of it all reads in perfect english kind of thing and and what the action does and what the feature does is exactly how it's described it's really easy to follow isn't it yeah yeah that, that was you know i hope uh, it is so because the the whole idea was kind of if you put it in front of a, a developer that never actually seen our syntax right and the syntax is pretty pretty easy like we have like five actions as you you already you know already kind of uh, touched down on uh, all of them uh, and uh, and if you if the developer sees that that he could actually read it or she could actually read it as the plain English yeah so it's a uh, it's all about you know send text or send card or get input when when the uh, when we're waiting for a user to say something and yeah and with the, with a syntax like next. You know, it's pretty obvious what what is happening. Well, the next is the next step. So uh, yeah, and stuff like that. So um, we were kind of uh, you know taking this idea from Ruby, obviously. So you could actually you know the syntax that you are writing, you could you could fairly uh, easily understand, and you know actually even be kind of you know emotionally bind to instead of uh, having all these curly braces all over the place. Mm-hmm. So. So YAML is um, seemingly a language that, that was already in existence. In terms of how you've created this tool, have you then kind of created your own version of the language to create all of the various kind of um, actions and variables and things like that that you have available in BotTalk? Yeah, you could say that, yeah. So we, we are using YAML format, so you could kind of, uh, uh, you know, 
be familiar with that. Um, but in terms of uh, the language, yeah, we, we kind of, you know, created se several uh, kind of namespaces. Uh, where you could describe your uh, your skills with, and uh, yeah, we we've launched it about like you know two two months ago, but we've been working with it productively, you know, building the skills, building the bots, like for more than uh, eight months. Right. So and then we thought, and then we thought, okay, it's uh, probably time to kind of put it out uh, for the developers to use. And uh, yeah, so, um, and the reason why we took YAML and then took like, we, we actually took several technologies and like put them together. So you can use Tweak as your templating language. Tweak is the way for you to kind of, you know, to, to basically to work with templates and to do stuff like if, else, uh, loops and stuff like that. Uh, but again, um, in a fashion that, every front-end developer would understand because every front-end developer would work with some kind of templating language without going into the nitty-gritty of backend. And that was that was the idea because because we think that, you know, user experience in terms of voice user experience, you, you could actually see it the same way that you would develop a, just normal app. There is a front-end developer, there is a back-end developer, and there is a designer, like UX designer, and uh, uh, at the moment, there is, uh, there's a whole group of UX designers that are using visual tools. And uh, there is a whole gap between that and uh, backend, design, uh, backend developers. And that's what Botox is trying to fill. Okay, that sounds cool. So do you, do you kind of use that tool yourself then as well? When you're sort of, if you're building stuff, do you use this thing yourself for building things like or not? Yeah, all of it. Oh. All of it. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, um, basically, uh, we understood pretty, fa pretty um, um, early uh, down the road that uh, we, need, uh, we need the variables. We need session management. We need to track where the user is in this flow of uh, decision making. And we need to, for the user to be able to kind of, you know, jump between these decision uh, trees and uh, stuff like that. And then mm, developed uh, in, in this kind of language for a while, as I said before. And yeah, so every skill that we're developing in the moment is built on this platform, which is also helping us um, kind of um, with every new skill that uh, Smart House Technologies is developing. Uh, kind of uh, to to improve the bot talk as a platform. Yeah, because obviously, yeah. So whatever functionality you get the requirements for, you then build that into the platform exactly. going forward. Exactly, that's, that's cool. So you mentioned there then in terms of trying to figure out where the user is in the session. That's presumably the context variables, is it? Do you want to explain mm -hmm. a little bit yeah. about because yeah. that, that that's a that's a fairly unique thing from some of the other tools I've seen. Do you want to explain a little bit how about how the context variables work? Yeah, so basically uh, the problem is that you have to remember, first you have to remember stuff between sessions, right? So uh, um, every time that your skill is kind of started, you don't want to uh, move, you know, in the same way. You, this, is, this is, you know, making, faking it until you make it, right? So uh, um, probably for, for the first time the skill is starting, it will ask your name and uh, what are you waiting, uh, where, where do you leave and what are you hoping to achieve, right? And the second time you start the skill, uh, of course, you obviously don't want to answer the, all these questions and you want to, the skill, just jump in into the, probably getting the data um, you wanted in the, in the first place. So, and that's what the context variables are for. You kind of, you know, can, this is the key value storage. You could actually put any stuff in 
uh, you know, just name it and you can put objects in it. You can put the whole, um, the whole responses from the API in it, stuff like that. And it's all saved per user. Uh, in the database, uh, meaning that um, you know you know uh, exactly uh, when uh, the user is starting your skill uh, for the second time, you could check okay he's been there for like you know second time and the third time and stuff like that. And um, you know the second use of context variables is between the um, you know not between the uh, invocation of the skills but inside of the skill, right? So uh, so you could um, store decision making inside of the skill and know okay. The user at the beginning he wanted this kind of car. Uh, he wanted this kind of uh, you know, this many days to book. Uh, um, when we're talking about like you know car uh, booking service stuff like that, and then by the end of the by the end of the you know transaction, you could actually n nicely pack it together yeah. and uh, and use it. Yeah. Cool. That sounds good. That yeah, sounds really interesting. And there's or stuff like uh, sorry, so or stuff on. like uh, if you make uh, multiple API requests, right? So you could store, you know, different, uh, different like responses in different context variables, and like uh, answer the user with a complete, unique uh, kind of way, because you already uh, you already kind of have this mashup of this uh, information in your context variables. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. And it's, it looks as though it's also really simple to incorporate support for um, some of the kind of multimodal devices, so the Echo Show and the Echo Spot and stuff like that. Do you want to kind of explain a little bit about how the how support for those devices work? Yeah, um, as I mentioned before, um, Botox, um actually is evolving um, with the same pace as uh, you know our. Skill building skills are <laughs> involved. <laughs> so and uh, yeah, we uh, recently put in uh, the uh, action called send card, which is actually that you could you could and this is the universal kind of action. It will send the uh, this kind of card into your um, into your um, visual echo device. Uh, but if you don't have it, it will just send uh, send the card into your app on your on your phone. Uh, so and we've seen because we've seen uh, we've seen a kind of you know this request from the customers that um, they want uh, of course their skill to be more visible in the app, right? Uh, for the retention to kind of grow because at the moment you use the skill you might forget you know the invocation name and you know time passes by and you forget about it. And so th what they wanted and it's a very smart idea actually is to put kind of you know reminder in form of the card. Uh, you know, into your app. So next time you open the app to probably, you know, look at the other skills, you could actually get reminded, oh, actually, I, I installed this skill recently. And uh, yeah, so this is the form of retention that, uh, that you could do uh, and not only, you know, display some, you know, visual feedback uh, uh, for, the, uh, for the devices that have uh, displays, yeah. Wow. Cool. That sounds like yeah, it sounds like a great tool. I've got I've got some time on Saturday morning. Gemma's working, so I think what I'll do is I'll uh, get a little bit deeper into bot talk and see yeah, what sure. I can yeah see what I can put together. It does sound it's, it does sound like a, a good gap in the market to fill in terms of you've got the visual side of things um, and the more the visual prototype, and then you have got some of the you know because some of it can get quite complex and quite kind of cordy can it to, to put this stuff together mm -hmm. so it sounds as though this is a you know a happy medium between you're still cord and you're still 
you know, getting the technicalities of it, but then you're not you've got more capability than the drag and drop kind of interfaces. So yeah, it sounds like a sounds like a good idea. Cool. Let's kind of move on then. Let's talk about so you've got experience in, in the uh, mobile space, you've got experience in the bot space, experience in the voice space. And I've been going to uh, one of these meetups recently in London, which is um, it's come, called Chatbots and Voice or Voice and yep. Chatbots and like that. Uh, it's pretty interesting. And it, it kind of the, the whole chatbot and voice thing seems to be two things that, that tend, you tend to find them in the same sentence quite often. Um, so I'm wondering whether you can, for the people who are either on the voice side or for the people who are on the chatbot side, I'm wondering whether you might be able to just explain a little bit about what some of the differences are maybe or what some of the similarities are between chatbots and voice applications. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I think I see this as, uh, you know, um, a bit like um, history or, you know, history of development of this whole thing. Uh, and you can you can actually see where all this voice uh, topic is coming from. It is coming from from the chatbots that were there in the beginning uh, when there were no um, good way. There was no good way kind of uh, to work with the voice, uh, but there was already a good way to work with text. So this is the era be- before the neg- uh, natural language processing in in, ta- in terms of voice happened. Uh, and that is um, that is kind of uh, interesting to see. And um, what I like about um, what I like about uh, bots and chatbots is the um, obviously the response that you get, the visual response that you get in terms of uh, cards, in terms of buttons, in terms of carousels and stuff like that. And you can see obviously that Google is trying to marry the two worlds with their Google Assistant, right? So they're trying to marry these, um, you know, voice uh, kind of uh, um, this whole experience that is starting with voice that you are supposed to talk to Google Assistant, but then get this feedback uh, back uh, that is enhanced with the visual stuff. And uh, yeah, so uh, going back to your question, uh, there are differences um, and there are use cases for both of them. What I love to see is when uh, the customer kind of embraces all of it in the same time and says, okay, actually our use case is, you know, to get some transaction going or to get the user activated or stuff like that. And it's actually absolutely impossible to kind of say what is the better way um, do it with voice. Well, the better way is like with cameras. The, better, the best camera is the one you have with you. And this is the kind of, uh, you know, the best uh, interface for your customer is the one that he has right now. He has open, and if it's an app, it's cool. If it's a voice uh, interface, if I uh, if I'm in my kitchen and you know my my hands are wet, and you know I want to make a booking uh, straight away, you know probably the best interface is voice for me in this uh, in this particular moment, and yeah, stuff like that. So um, um, I think it's not a question of you know um, either or proposition, but rather. Well, look at your options. I love the voice uh, part because it makes me, um, as a kind of uh, the one who develops the skills, uh, completely rethink the way we think about interfaces. But I also, but I also uh, kind of find it very interesting that, that in the in the same in the same moment that we are talking about completely. Um, uh, completely going away from every kind of interface and going completely kind of blind with voice 
this is one development. The other development is another extreme, uh, w which is happening in the VR world, right? Where you have like this ubiquitous interface all over you. And I think it's fascinating that we have both in the same time. You know, one guy saying, okay, we don't need any screens whatsoever. Let's work with voice. The other guys say, everything is the screen. So I think, uh, but in the end, it boils down to what I what, what is, was getting at, uh, at, is that actually the, you know, it doesn't have to be either or proposition. The best interface is the one that you have right now in your car, in the shower, whatever. Whatever box is the best interface. And we are no longer kind of, bind technically that you you could you should stare at this uh, you know at these devices uh, anymore you could actually do both and what i'm actually mm, wishing for is that i could start the conversation with uh, with uh, with a product you know when i uh, when i'm standing under the shower and then continue on when i'm already dried and you know, move on and kind of uh, uh, open it in the kind of bot uh, kind of fashion, and then finish it when I came back to when I came to uh, to my work in my desktop. So yeah. this this is the ideal situation, and I think we're not this far away from this. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty common trend, actually, from you know the people that we've had on the podcast in in the past um, and the last podcast with uh, Doctor Pete from mm -hmm. Moz that was kind of very much the vision is that and I think even Jan Koenig mentioned it yeah. from Jovo on episode 4 or something where yeah. he was talking about the whole multi-modality of it and you should be able to start something on Alexa in your kitchen and then finish it off outside in your headphones or whatever um, it seems to be the kind of way it's going and, and going back to your sort of you previously just mentioned there around you don't really see a distinction between necessarily between voice and chatbots because it's all about whatever you have handy at the time are you seeing clients coming to you asking for one or the other or are you tending to do a lot more kind of work where you'll do both so you'll you'll, you'll develop a chatbot but then it'll have a voice interface or you know what what's the most common sort of thing that clients are coming to you with in, in the bots and voice kind of space um, unfortunately, uh, most of the clients don't know what they want <laughs> and um, it's about or they don't realize and that's why we actually developed this whole, uh, uh, this whole workshop thing because um, most clients are just, you know, heard that bots are a thing or voice is a thing and they want this for the product. And um, this is kind of, yeah, educating your client and, you know, searching together for the use case. But the clients that are actually in the know, um, they are very particular in what they want. Uh, and we see that many, many clients want specifically only Facebook bots. Uh, from the time that Facebook uh, also launched the kind of, you know, bot platform where you can discover new, the new bots, like, you know, the bot, uh, um, um, the bot app store or whatever, whatever you call it, um, they want it because um, they could they could see the uh, they could see the difference that it makes to have a bot in this uh, first, you know, uh, first um, Actual contact with a with a client. If the a client goes to your web uh, to your Facebook page and starts a conversation, you know, eighty percent of the questions that are coming are very common, and you could actually do so much work with a bot there, right there. And of course, there is like you know, no way that I I would say to a client, yeah, let's just you know think about Alexa. No, uh, because uh, they know how how many people are contacting them uh, via this button. 
you know, messages. And they know exactly 80% of the, of the questions that are coming uh, solved in a, you know, um, pretty easy fashion. But what is, what is happening afterwards, I think, is, is the cue. Because, because I think at the moment there are like you know, 10% of the, of the end customers that understand the whole, uh, the whole game. And they would try, and when they understand that the company is uh, pretty cool in AI, as they call them, we know, we both know it's not AI, but you know that's the perception. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so they would try the same thing with skill, of course, because if you already had this very good experience with a bot of this company of this brand, you would give it a go with a skill and um, say, okay, they're pretty pretty nice. Uh, let me try next time. And I think that's uh, that's what we're seeing more and more. Of course, those things, as you said before, there's a vision that everything is connected and interconnected and we have this. Uh, uh, but it's a marketing talk right now. <laughs> so uh, from a technical perspective, it's not connected. And, um, and it's a good thing that uh, I think um, the company is trying to kind of differentiate voice and, uh, and, and, bot, uh, and bots, uh, but... Uh, as I said, you know, as I said before, if you are moving into the space and don't know anything about conversational UI, it is actually very helpful to kind of understand the whole concept. And then eighty um, percent of the of this understanding is just you know building something um, um, in your head, or as we do it uh, in a paper way, and then deciding. You know, eighty percent in the uh, on the way designing. Okay, will it be voice or will it be just bot? Mm-hmm. So, kind of progressing then into talking about the the kind of discovery workshop that you would do with clients. Let's say that that the client has came to you and you know they want to sort of do something in this space. They're they're not sure whether or not the chatbot's the right way or whether the voice application is the right thing. Um, how would that play out then? What would what would the overarching agenda for the workshop be? How would you go about planning it? And how would you take a client from just turning up, getting through the door, sitting down, through to at the end of the day having some kind of prototype or or do they even end up with a prototype? Talk talk us through the, the process from your perspective in terms of in terms of that workshop. How does that go? So the first thing that we do is we try to kind of um, wake this imagination in the client because uh, most of them they have this product uh, it's an app or it's a, a web uh, application and in terms of understanding their product they also they very often understand their product as the you know device or the app right and it's not actually the correct way to understand it so uh, in the first part of the workshop we try and kind of broaden this experience and say, okay, your product, your end product is not your app. Your, you know, your product is not your website. You know, that's what behind it. And we are trying to, sh- to show this whole, uh, this whole movement from mobile first to AI first. You know, the movement that uh, Google I.O. Um, CEO, um, Google CEO last year announced as, you know, the, big, uh, the next big thing for Google is actually moving from mobile first to AI first. And we're trying to to kind of show them as many um, um, as many examples as we could from the bot, from very good uh, uh, bots, from the very good uh, voice uh, um, interfaces, so that they could actually you know get this whole inspiration going. And then um, we are kind of uh, 
trying to combine this whole inspiration phase with a with a very hard hard hands-on experience so um you know after they got like you know very excited about the stuff like that is going on and trying to okay they're very excited they want to tell um, hear more we say okay let's just do do some dirty work and then we go uh, go into the um, um into the details of user experience right so in what context is your customer going to use a chatbot or a voice interface is it at home is it at work is he in the car it, uh, how many people are around him is it a private kind of thing is it a public kind of thing and uh, all these kind of questions are the questions that clients normally don't ask themselves when they when they think about the skills And uh, then we move on from the context to the use case. Was was uh, what I was t- telling you before is, you know, what problem is this uh, this particular thing is solving, right? So, and we're trying to also kind of you know point in the direction of, um, just um, if you think about the use case, just count the number of interactions in your existing product. If it's an app, it's. Uh, Like unlocking your phone is a, a first action. Uh, finding the app is a second action. Opening the app is a third action, and so on and so on. And then they're counting these ten steps that you have to make before the first action in the app actually happens. And then you say, okay, you want to kind of improve that, right? Uh, you want to kind of say, Alexa, please do um, X and Y, and have di- direct response. That's that's your goal here. And in terms of that, what is your use case? What are you trying to achieve? What is the use case for your client? What would be the ideal? Don't don't think about bots, voices, technology. Think about that. What is your cl- ideal scenario? Imagine you are 20 years in the future and all, all computers are voice enabled. What is the ideal scenario? And then, um, you know, we kind of uh, boil it down to use cases and there are like seven, uh, seven steps process that we move all the way from um, you know top from the use case and uh, all the way down to to which APIs are available actually mm-hmm. in your company okay. you know to so do you that. get that into that level of detail exactly, as well exactly because okay. and this is this is the simple whiteboard exercise with a whiteboard some markers and some you know um, some kind of uh, paper uh, prototypes that we are building Um, because because this is this whole problem, um, um, this whole process is very relevant. Because if we if they say uh, okay, we actually don't have any APIs, then <laughs> then we probably saved ourselves uh, lots of lots of uh, you know frustration in the f- uh, future, <laughs> right? And we say okay, let let's talk about that, <laughs> and <laughs> instead of talking about the bots and uh, voices and stuff like that. So uh, this is kind of the, this first immersive stage of hands-on experience. Um, so and um, yeah, so and we're trying. Um, and when they got the use case and the kind of you know detailed kind of roadmap of what they're going to do, um, some parts of the roadmap I won't disclose the whole kind of <laughs> the whole structure. But you know, some parts of uh, the roadmap is things like you know which tone does your bot or voice interface has? Is it like serious? Is it you know small talk allowed or not? Um, if it's a transactional thing and there is like going to be money in some, you know, in some near future going to be money flowing, then, you know, how many, uh, how many uh, times are you going to kind of say, uh, yes, I am kind of willing to pay? Yeah, so like, you know, double, double opt-in kind of stuff. 
and that that's you know all is done with uh, with the uh, simple paper tools but those are uh, those kind of questions are kind of you know arising in sometimes you know these big projects in there uh, in their small notebooks that I'm um, seeing that you know people are filling up with the questions to the IT department and stuff like that yeah so um, this is the kind of you know doing part and then we go back to the um, to the uh, this whole world of uh, let's uh, let's imagine some more and we are kind of demystifying some buzzwords stuff like um, what is uh, AI what is the state of machine learning deep learning what is NLP and stuff like that so they could actually gasp that there is no you know actual AI going on in uh, in Alexa right but uh, we are kind of touching on uh, deep learning on um, supervised learning on stuff on topics like that and then uh, once again, they stand up <laughs> and they mm-hmm. do some legwork and they do some pro, uh, paper prototypes. And this is the most exciting part of it. So uh, usually we kind of, you know, build two groups um, and send them to different rooms and they work on different kind of approaches, different prototypes. And what they do is they take the stick notes and they kind of put them on the wall, right? So they, And what we are trying to accomplish is this the best or the the best um, way that, or the ideal solution, right? So uh, go this one uh, ideal solution with your client. And often it's, it's enough. And, uh, and after that, we do things like blind testing. <laughs> so okay. um, the groups are kind of um, changing the roles. And they're trying, and uh, they don't see this, uh, this paper prototype on the wall. But rather, they stand um, with a back to the wall, and they try to talk to another group as if another group were Alexa. So, like, definitely, like, you know, literally standing there and asking, Alexa, I would like to, to make an appointment. And the other group is not allowed to move away from their paper prototype okay. trail. That's good. And that's where the massive problems emerge, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, because, because the way that they're supposed to talk <laughs> to the pre- paper prototype is not the way you know it's actually worked uh, and it's often uh, very uh, kind of uh, scary to see this in inside of one company right so uh, you know they know the product <laughs> but still there are so there are so many ways that a human could possibly say something and believe me this is the kind of uh, we we uh, we kind of you know move to this um, to this uh, technique because we saw how much costly it is to do that after the development, right? Uh, and no matter how much you say this to your client, like, you know, test, please test it on the people, they never do it. So if you do it inside of your workshop, you know, the, the like, you know, the essence and the absolute necessity for that is so obvious to them. So when we actually come to development in the, you know, later stages, there the, the kind of, you know... Um, Dialogue flows that are sending us are much, much more precise, are much more th- thought through. And you could say, okay, you tested it enough because I could already see how many, um, how many like variants uh, of the uh, of the intensity are you uh, are you you know mm-hmm. giving us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's just kind of recap on that then. So you would start out with some some sort of visioning stuff where you would kind of. Um, 
give them some background around the general state of the industry and stuff like that. Is that is that more of a presentation then? We'll just start out with some slide decks, do a presentation on, on, on yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And then just a just just a presentation. Yeah. 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 And then um, you're kind of talking about the use cases and fleshing out, you know, the context that people will be in and the use cases that they might have. Um, and then you go through a bit of a whiteboard exercise. And that first whiteboard exercise, is that essentially just to nail down those use cases, is it? Exactly. Yeah. So just to nail down USP and probable business case behind it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Cool. And then you would kind of go back down into the um, probably maybe it's another presentation, is it, where you're discussing around sort of demystifying the buzzwords and explaining what machine learning is and AI and maybe he's then trying to bring them down to reality a little bit to let them know that, in fact, it might not be AI, but it's it's kind of, you know, it's still a conversational kind of thing. And then you would move into another exercise where it would be paper prototypes, whiteboards. And then in that whiteboard exercise, are you essentially asking them to almost like process map their way through an ideal user journey? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. With, with like no obligation of using whatever colors, whatever uh, works just to visualize this journey of, um, you know, like you can use two colors. One color is for Alexa and another color for the user, right? So and but the the visualizing part is very very helpful. You know uh, that actually to see okay in this point we've got to do the API request, and in that point in this tab we're using the you know the response from that API request and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, so. Mm -hmm. so you're kind of almost doing a you you development almost like a technical map as well as a user journey sort of thing. It, it depends on the um, kind of you know level. Uh, or on the kind of people, actually, I should, I should say, uh, that are uh, participating in the um, in the workshops, uh, because if it's like you know more tech uh, tech crowd, then we would go into these kind of details. If it's not, then it, it will be stuff like yeah, and it will be very cool to integrate our CRM into this kind of part. And okay, let's do that CRM card there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So would you in that? When you're and then at, at the end of that, we would finally finish it with some testing of of that prototype to to figure out whether it's on the right lines or not. So, would you then it, throughout this, when you're getting them to do those exercises, would you would you be facilitating in a way that you would actually be doing the writing and the sticking to make sure that the the map kind of would kind of be in the right kind of format and stuff, or would you kind of just let people loose and just say, you know, you go for it and and do what what you think is is the situation. I think the the kind of uh, the most difficult part for us is to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um, because uh, because I think they know about the business much more than we do, and uh, it's often uh, when when the people are coming with this question, like you know, in what form are you, you know, are you expecting us to do that? And it's just in what form are you willing to do that? <laughs> and it's almost like you know uh, this uh, question and answer uh, kind of uh, dance that we do, but most of the question they know already. And it's not, uh, once again, it's not about technical details. We'll go, uh, because we, uh, we, uh, after that, uh, this part, there, there are several, you know, theoretical or presentation parts where we go into the tools that are on the market, into the whole ecosystem and stuff like that. They will learn this whole thing. But as, as I said before, it's very important just to, to know your use case, to, to, to understand, you know, what the user might say and what, what do you want, what actually do you want to answer? Right, you know, don't stop. Don't don't ask me about what the Alexa can answer. Alexa can do anything, you know, at this point, 
you know, for them. Yeah, yeah, they don't yeah. know yet they, <laughs> that technically, yeah. But, you know, Sh- for shoot them... for the stars. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> just, just, yeah, just imagine that Alexa would know everything. What, what do you want Alexa to answer, right? Yeah. And then after you've done the, the, the testing of the prototypes and stuff like that, what would be the process then beyond that workshop how would you take that from, you know, a, a tested prototype within a workshop environment? What would be the next steps then to take that into bot talk and to, to start fleshing something out? Is that the process? Yeah, so uh, basically what we do is all these uh, paper prototypes are pretty basic. Like there is a, there's a very, um, as I said before, a success, successful path that is lined up. And what we want to do, what, what we very love to do is just to, to um, kind of type it down in the bot talk very quickly because this tool allows you to kind of, you know, very quickly to put it down with some, doom it, uh, with some you know, completely scripted answers uh, with, without any API workers whatsoever and then just show it to them in the, you know, second hour after they've done the paper prototype. And it's already a very good you know, way to kind of see this whole prototype um, in Alexa. Because sometimes you just, you know, um, you tend to kind of, uh, they tend to see uh, the problems with Alexa, you know, that, you know, how, how do you work with lists and with the, how do you work with like, you know, entries that are more than three items in it and stuff like that. And it's a very like you know visual way or other audible way to kind of for them to understand uh, you know the limitations of Alexa, and also get this you know get this you know success kick after after they done it. Okay, they've they've got something in Alexa, you know that is, they they have their brand already in Alexa, and I think that you know just um, you know the imagination starts flowing. Yeah, that you know, must be a pretty you know, pretty sort of like successful end to a workshop if you actually end up with something yeah. prototyped on the device itself. That's exactly, a pretty successful exactly. time, that, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, and because we love to, um, after that we are sending like, you know, of course, the thank you mails and stuff like that. And in these mails, they were already sending the invitations to the beta testing. So next day they go to work or they're showing it to their bosses. They already have something. Uh, like you know this better uh, bit a uh, better skill in the hand so you know and and helps a lot to kind of move on the process instead of kind of you know sitting there and you know get lectured from us like you know on the state of affairs in the voice they get something something done and uh, yeah this is uh, this is what we aspire to of course it, you know there are variations you know big companies uh, you know and stuff like that uh, sometimes we don't manage to kind of do this prototype but when we manage to to actually finish it that's uh, uh, yeah it's a pretty success story that we love ourselves <laughs> so how how long then how long would that take then that worked at half day workshop full day workshop um, this is usually a full full day workshop yeah uh, for the clients, uh, we try to do like a half uh, half day workshops for for just some you know product managers just to get the gist of that. But it's definitely you know this whole this whole doing process takes a lot of time and thinking, and you've got some you you, you should you should consider the uh, the whole day because it's just uh, productively um, you know more kind of useful. Wicked. That sounds really good, that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that insight. That sounds wicked. I'm sure that there's plenty of people listening to this who who will be able to get plenty of insights out of that and try some of these things themselves. What's the what's the plans then for the future for for 2018 for yourself and for Smart House and for Bot Talk? What have you what have you got lined up? 
Ooh, lots of uh, lots of stuff. Um, I think um, smart house is going to like uh, move into um, different different kind of uh, spaces. As I said before, the VR is very interesting. You know, this uh, um, ubiquitous interface that you have uh, all over you. Uh, and again, you know, the, our expertise is this very user oriented like thinking and. Um, Uh, and I think it's um, it's an interesting field. But in terms of voice and uh, and bots, I think it's it's going to be a very very exciting year. What to see what Google does, because um, because the multi language support that Google is bringing is opening the world for this. And me uh, not being uh, not being the native speaker, it's it's you know things that you could actually do uh, with uh, with your Google devices right now already in Russian, for example. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty intense, and uh, you could see that the other markets I, I, you know, tend to kind of know the Russian market a bit. Um, they are kind of moving into the space as well, right? So the the biggest search engine in Russia, Yandex, is developing their own uh, solution called Alisa. Alexa, okay. Alisa, <laughs> Alisa, you see, okay. <laughs> you see the fun there. Uh, so yeah, so um, um, I think it's it's going to be a very very interesting thing. And for in terms of bot talk, yeah, I think the obvious thing that uh, we are attacking right now is a thing that everyone is kind of trying to attack. Uh, but I think we'll be one of the first ones, uh, or hope to be. Let's see what the future brings. Is the multi-platform thing. That you could you could actually write your thing uh, in bot talk in this uh, uh, in this language and then deploy all over the place, because bot talk um, supports you know automated testing right now uh, out of the box. You know all your decision trees are like run through, so you could you could just test for this you know dead ends and you know logic failures before even launching on your device, and it saves a ton of time. And you can actually deploy directly from a bot talk to to Alexa device, right? So uh, this is like you know this whole suite of uh, tools, and um, you know the uh, what we what we want to do is actually to have this you know uh, to um, like interface that would allow you just to um, uh, to have a button, okay, deploy to Alexa, deploy to Google, deploy to Telegram, deploy to uh, Facebook. And your logic is just uh, all over the place. So I think this is like the vision for 2018 for Botox. Yeah, fantastic. That sounds absolutely immense. Andre, where can people find out more about Botox and and find out more about yourself? Yeah, we are pretty active on Twitter, um, um, uh, on the Facebook. I hope you would put the links. Yeah, uh, so absolutely. So people could, um, yeah, and um, yeah, they can also check out our videos that are explaining how um, how actually bot talk uh, works. We are putting uh, lots of videos uh, nowadays out there on YouTube. Yeah, so be sure to subscribe and to get the newest content. Yeah, so. Cool. We'll do that. We'll put all of those links in the show notes as well as the website um, for Smart House and the website for, for Bot Talk as well. And also the Alexa Slack channel we'll put in there as well because I know you've been active yeah. on there over the last week. That's what kind of jogged my memory to, to ha- kind of discuss the whole YAML thing because I've seen mm-hmm. you you're kind of on that on that kind of platform. So we'll put those links in there. Do check those out. Andre, thank you so much for joining us. That was an immense discussion. Bags and bags of insight in that. Really, really appreciate you joining us. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. That was Andre Asaulov from Smart House Technologies and the co-founder of BotTalk. Seriously, check out BotTalk. It is a tool that they've... I think that 
Andre's managed to pitch that at a perfect place in the market. Something that is more advanced than some of the drag and drop stuff, but doesn't require you to get right into the nitty gritty of the back end. And that it seems as though that tool was built for someone like me, someone who is a designer or a UX designer at heart with all my experience in, in that area, familiar with HTML, CSS, you know, can pick my way through some JavaScript to troubleshoot, but, you know, not necessarily someone who's going to sit there and I couldn't necessarily work and write PHP from scratch or fiddle around with all of that back-end stuff, but I know my way around enough coding languages, front-end coding languages, to be able to fix problems and stuff like that. So, if that sounds like you, familiar with coding, more of a designer, not quite a dev, then this tool might be perfect for you. I am definitely going to check it out myself. I've got some time aside this week and I'm going to take a look at it. I'm going to see what, what comes of it. Do check it out yourself. Um, really interesting conversation. Now, the workshop stuff was immensely exciting. Uh, if you are in a brand, working for a brand who is trying voice out, you could use that rough template, rough kind of uh, discovery workshop structure to see if you can find yourself at the end of that with a prototype. You know, if you're a developer or a designer, you know, if you even if you're collaborating with your mates, you know, if it's a hobby, you could you could run through that kind of stages and those stages in that workshop to to flesh out some ideas, no problem. Thank you, Andre, for joining us. Really, really appreciate you taking the time and really appreciate the insights. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time, see you later. Bye.